So Paul, if I, you're, I think you're pretty good. That's not ringy, didn't you? Oh, there's a ring? So there might have the gain up too loud. You can't hear it. I can't hear it. You can't hear the ring? Follow my head then, that's a good place. Things are just swimming around in here. I hope not these thoughts in everybody's head. Okay, good. It's a good thing. That's what that echo is. Out so long nobody else can hear. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna pray. But I want to say, I just before we start praying, imagine if you will, God has given you everything you need. Have you guys checked in? You're checking in now. Outstanding. Ha! Because you're sitting right there. You, you, pick, you pick it. I don't tell you where to sit. Hey, so Father God, we just are so so blessed by your that game, Paul. Just turn it down. The game. The game. The game. Where's the top knob up on the top? Okay. You know what? Where is it again? You don't have to turn it that far, just a little bit. Every little yeah. bit helps. Hello, check, 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 five, five. Hello, 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 hello. Hello. Just so I'm, okay. just so I'm clear, nope. just so I'm clear, is that part of the prayer? No, it's not. <laughs> but it can't, it can't. Watch that side, you're Hello. Yeah, I know, all it takes is this. I be careful when I'm asking God for it, so I don't want to get involved in something I don't know what to talk All right, I'm back, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Chasers here tonight. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm leading the way, so hey, can you somebody handle that game, please? You, you got to. I'm hearing that thing is grabbing bonkers. Just a little bit, and then you can turn up the main volume if you're not getting the red one. Okay. I think it'd be quicker to give them, give it to them on land mail. You go like this. Turn this one up a little bit. That one's already up. I'm trying to keep that game down so it doesn't. All right. There we go. That's more gooder. No, it's not. A little bit less game ball. Game. Game. Thank you. So, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your patience that you teach us patience. <laughs> and uh, we just, uh, we're so thankful, Father God, for your presence here in this place. We're so thankful, Father God, that you uh, that you love us in ridiculous ways. It, uh, that you care to spend time with us each and every day. Lord God, uh, we're thankful for humor, that we get to share in your humor, share in your laughter, sharing all that you are, Lord. So would you join us tonight, Father, as we, as we try and get going, um, try and figure out this whole spirit man thing. What does it mean? What does it look like? All I know is that we love you, and we thank you, and we are so dependent upon you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. So can you hear it? It's really quiet for the recording. And then, uh, oh, you come 
Spirit man, we talked about it last week about being body, soul, and spirit. And what does that mean? And how how we are a body. So we have our soul, we have our body, we have our spirit. Right. So soul is kind of our brain. Our spirit is kind of our heart, the thing that drives us. And then the body is this shell that holds us. Right. And so we're we're called to take care of our our temple, which is our body. But what do we do about this spirit thing? So what is a spirit man? What are we even talking about? And this is just one definition that I found in, and it seemed to be a pretty common one throughout the commentaries that I was looking at. Subjective feelings that result from the real or alleged actions of God upon the human soul or spirit. Well, that's clear as mud. Right? Anybody else tracking with that? What do you think? Do you get anything out of that? Yeah, no? no? Nothing out of it? That's okay. That's Actions. what I wanted, the truth. What's that? Actions of God. Actions of God, okay. So yeah, that's how we do it. We break it down. So if we're looking at that, we see alleged actions, either real or alleged. So some people don't believe in God. So why would they give credit to this God that they don't even believe in? But yet the Christian says, oh, God, Holy Spirit, God, blah, 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 blah. And, and the non-believer says, yeah, whatever. You know, there's no God. He's not doing that. But for those of us who believe, it's very real, right? We can't deny the actions of, of God. So upon the human soul or spirit, upon our heart or our mind, that actually drive us to do something so that that human, that spirit man that dwells inside of us, is moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Does that help at all? So John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So, so what does that mean? Like, we're all born from our mothers, right? Anybody not come from their mom? <laughs> so we're all born of the flesh but now we get to be reborn or born again of the spirit of the Holy Spirit which some people talk about that being absolutely ludicrous, there's no such thing is it a possibility or is it not a possibility to be born of the flesh and born of the spirit both are true yeah, and we've, we've got to come to understand what this spirit man is, what's going on in our spirit, and how that actually all works, and how does it come together. Romans 8.16 says, The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So what? What does that mean? What does it mean? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you ever have that feeling? Do you ever have that feeling 
Right, and so the Holy Spirit dwells in us and, and gives us that affirmation, that feeling inside of us that allows us to know and understand that we are children of God. So the sad part is that some people, as we've talked about many times in the past, some people are going to get to the gates of heaven and they'll be turned away because they did not receive Christ as their Savior. But they do all the things that a Christian would do except the believing in Christ as their Savior. And so it's only between the person and God. I don't get to tell you what you're doing or what you're not doing, right? As the pastor, it's not my duty. It's not my duty to tell you that you're a Christian or you're not. Do you think I get to make that call? I mean, certainly as the spiritual head of the house, I should get to tell everybody who's Christian who's not, right? Because we hear stories of it from churches all around the world where the pastor tells you this or tells you that, tells you you're going to burn in hell, or tells you, oh, you sin, you're going you're gonna to burn. There's no forgiveness for what you just did. Yeah, but we are all born with sin, though. Okay, yep. But what happens when we receive Christ? Our sins are washed away. Amen. Yep. So it's important for us to recognize that without Christ, without Christ, we are, we are doomed for hell. But with Christ, we're blessed for an eternal life in heaven. Amen. Amen. And there's something in each and every one of us. The scariest thing, the scariest thing for me as a pastor is when somebody says, well, pastor, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Because we get to go right away and we get to find out, we get to ask and ask questions about, hey, where are you? Did you really, do you really feel this in your heart? Do you understand what this means? Are you grasping this? And hopefully people are open enough to really want to go through that questioning so that we can get to the bottom of it and find out for sure it's that important. But you can also know that when you receive Christ with your heart, something changes in you. Something will never be the same. I know of several of you in this room with a conversion story, and when God finally got a hold of you for real, something changed. You know that you know that you know. You are an absolute testimony to the Holy Spirit, speaking to your spirit, speaking to your soul, telling you, hey, looks like you made it. You're awesome. You're set. You're good. Right? Like there's not a question. And nobody can take that away from you. It's one of the most beautiful things about that. But God will actually talk to us. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, But he who is joined with the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So now we're starting to get into this spot. We're starting to get into this place where we're maybe beginning to understand the spirit man just a stitch, just a hair. Because we know that when we receive Christ as our Savior, we receive Holy Spirit in us. Right? And we're going to talk about Jesus even receiving the Holy Spirit in him in a minute. And then this verse tells us that he who is joined with the Lord. How do I become joined with the Lord? Become one with, yep. with him. But how? No, it's, that's okay. You're absolutely fine. I appreciate you willing your willingness to, to work it out. By baptism. Hmm. Surrendering. Surrendering what? Your life, everything. How do I do that? By accepting Christ. By accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior is a surrender of yourself. 
a surrender of your flesh and the things of this world to God the Father. And we do it. Baptism has nothing to do with salvation. That's just something that people have told you for years. You're not going to find anything in the scripture that tells you that baptism is salvational. Baptism is an outward expression, and it came from circumcision back in the old days where, where the men would know that they were following God because they would be circumcised. Really? I thought there was scripture that read that. I gotta find it. You should probably find that. Well, I would love to engage in that conversation because that's a big misconception. No, because what happens? What happens if I get if I'm a non-believer? So I'm a non-believer and I'm speeding in my car, and I hit a tree, and I'm about to die, and with all of my heart I cry out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, save me. I surrender my life to you. But there's nobody there that can baptize you. Do you get to go to heaven? See, and these are these are important things. It's like for years the church has been saying the children need to be baptized. Da 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 da. And we can go into that whole discourse, and maybe someday we will. We probably should. Just it sounds like a great thing to do sometime. But baptism is an outward expression, just as circumcision was. And we can show you all the scripture that you want to see on that, um, just so that you feel comfortable and confident in it. I just have a question because. Didn't, weren't we told, or actually the disciples, weren't they told to go out and baptize people? Absolutely. Why would they be told to, to do that? It's an outward, it's for people to show other people. It's, it's for your fellow man, also. Okay. And for yourself. To show the world that I, I am a follower. Yeah. Yeah, baptized in Matthew 28, 19, or 20. The thing about baptism, I don't see how that works, because it's, you're just jumping in water. Right. Well, it's just like communion, and and it's a really it's a really great conversation. It's a really great conversation to have about baptism, about communion, because we have to understand that in in the water and in the wine, there's something that happens spiritually, right? And so when you're joined together with others who are spiritual, who are of the Spirit, and they're dunking you in the water, it is up to the Holy Spirit. So somebody who's not saved can't just dump you in the water and say, hey, you're baptized, and throw you back up. Right? Who did who baptized Jesus? John. John the baptizer. Who was the first one to baptize him, though? Who baptized John? John was sent from, he got a call from God the Father and went out doing things, and he started changing things. He actually had a group of people that would follow him, and they were his, John's disciples, and so John began, he started making straight the path. Remember that? How it says, John will go out and make the path straight. What, what are they talking about? There, John is beginning this movement to help people to see that this Jesus, the one who calls himself Jesus, or the Messiah is coming. And things are going to change, so get ready. And he started showing people, he started baptizing them. But it also says in, in John that he baptized a baptism of repentance. He couldn't baptize a baptism of fire, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's two different baptisms. One is repentance. One is of the Spirit. So we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with this over the next few weeks. I love it. You guys come with questions, okay? Because I I wanna we'll play stump the chump again. You see when you're up. Uh, 
when you're when you're going to be ordained, you get in front of a group of ten, ten theologians, three sometimes, whatever it is, and they call it stump the chump, and they just they just put you in this room and you're in there with them. I did mine on the phone because I was up in in the middle of it. And there's a group of pastors and whatever, and they just rifled me with questions. And they would throw questions at you this way and that way, and they would try and get you off course to see if your theology even jived with the Bible or not. So it's been affectionately called Stump the Chump for years. But I, I love it because, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't know. And the fact that you guys are willing to ask me questions gets us to the point where we all get to engage in study of the Word, and that's really an exciting thing, right? So the hardest three words the pastor ever learns I don't know, absolutely. Gold star. Who's got the gold stars? Nobody knows that. So here's a little bit of here's a little bit of some things that you may or may not want to know, but it'll it'll educate you, it'll help you to understand. And remember, why do we want to learn all this stuff? Is it just so you can walk around and gloat about how smart you are? No. Or is it that you can walk around and share the gospel with people and feel comfortable and not get knocked off track every time somebody comes up to you and throws a question at you? It's really important. Like you need to know it. As I've told you in the past, I spent a good portion of my life talking people out of their faith. I was the guy that would stump you every single time. And as soon as you stumbled on an answer, I would pounce. Absolutely. So that's kind of... So, Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament, so there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. A lot of the Old Testament was either written in Hebrew or Aramaic. So this is Hebrew. So in the Old Testament, it's called Ruach. Ruah, and it was mentioned 378 times. 300, do you think there's any importance to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Yeah. But yet when you hear some people, they'll tell you, well, the Old, Te the Old Testament doesn't say anything about the Holy Spirit. He's never mentioned in there. Nope, only 378 times. Do you remember in Genesis, what was above the water? Right in the beginning, in creation, it says something was above the water. The Spirit of God. Amen. What dried the land after the flood? The Spirit. So right there just blows anybody's theory right out of the water. It's like, whatever. And there's 376 other times that if you want to, you can find it. So we don't get stumped. We, uh, we come with answers and we trust the Lord. So it means wind or an invisible, mysterious, or powerful force. Breath, mysterious force seen as the life and vitality of man. In the New Testament, it's called pneuma. And that's mentioned 379 times with the same definition. How important do you think Holy Spirit is? If he's mentioned, what, uh, 757 times? 
that much? Absolutely, Jody. As wide as your arms. Maybe even more. You and Tim could probably put your arms together with the other two at the end of your table. Holy Spirit is very important. But it's something. Can you see Holy Spirit? No. Define what Holy Spirit looks like. Can none of you read the Bible? Bro, you're okay, man. Let me tell you this. Because there's not a definition of how Holy no, Spirit looks. Real, right. No, no right, it's right. just like, so what they say is, can you see the air? What color is the air? If you were to define the air, how would you define the air? Invisible. How about when you take a breath? Something's filling your lungs, right? But what does it look like? You can't really describe what it looks like because you can't see it. Right, but is it there? Yeah. So therefore, anybody who says that you cannot count on Holy Spirit because you cannot see nor define nor nor describe Holy Spirit in a physical sense, also known as personification. I can't personify or make Holy Spirit look like a human unless, unless I want to do something. Here's a question that I have. You mentioned God and God We're just going to go in there. So, did you hear his question? Are God and Jesus Christ the same person? I love the question. It's a great question. That's the stump the chump question for sure. Absolutely. I love it. What do you think? So if there's three... Now wait a second here. Hold on a second. You guys... So... If it's one, then don't they all, aren't they all the same? But then why call them three? Don't they look different? I mean, certainly one's a brunette, one's a blonde, and one's a redhead. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, one of them's a blonde, for sure. Probably Jesus, because he's depicted as a blonde. As a matter of fact, this mug right here is in a stained glass window in a Catholic church somewhere in this state that will remain unnamed. But I modeled for a guy who built a window. They wanted a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, and so they used me. <laughs> now, I am not Jesus. I'm just going to let you know that. So what? So going back to this question, going back to how do I personify or how do I make Holy Spirit look? If Holy Spirit is one of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but they're three in one, and one of them we know looks like a dude with a beard and some hair, would all three of them look like it? Now here's the next question, because how were you created? You were what? But you don't look like me. How can you be made in the image of God? Then what am I in the image of? What are you talking about? No, wait, wait a second. You're all, you're all tripping. No. 
your soul now. It's nothing to do with your body? No. Really? Yes, he made us in his image. But we are just flesh walking around. Just flesh walking around. <laughs> what do you think, Paul? Well, you have the body. Yep. You have the spirit. Yep. And I forget the last one. Soul. 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 So what is that? That's in the image of God. Yeah. Body, soul, and spirit? Yeah. Hmm. Pretty interesting, huh? Is our, Is our spirit and soul the same thing? What did we come up with last week? Soul and spirit are not. Now, there are some that go with just the two parts of the body. This the body, soul, and spirit. Okay, yeah. Because your notes from last week, very good. Pay attention. This is like our gold star table. So if any of you guys want to be smart next week, just stay at the gold standard right here. This is it. <laughs> totally kidding. So is it clear as mud yet? You getting it? Figuring it out? What does what does Holy Spirit look like? Holy Spirit's the Spirit. Jesus Christ has been the only one that we know of that has been personified or given the image of man. But we know that God the Father created all of us in his image. So you take that for what it's worth. You can't see the air, but you know it's there. The Holy Spirit is there, but you know you can't see him. But you know he's there because you can feel him in your heart. You can see the miracle signs and wonders. Right? So there are some things that we have to walk in in faith. And Holy Spirit's one of them. If you can't trust the feeling that you're feeling and trust the miracles of the things that you're seeing, trust the word of God, then what do you have to go on? Right? It's the word of God is telling us that there's a third. The miracles that we see, the miracles that we read about tell us that there's a third. Jesus Christ himself tells us about a third one coming in Acts 1. Well, who told you? Pastor. Who? What'd you say? Which one told you to become a pastor? That's a great question. We always give God that credit. But what's the difference? Right? Die. I always say God spoke to me and told me because it was a voice. It was a voice that I heard in my brain. It wasn't outside the wasn't outside. It was all in my brain. Um, and it, it just kept pestering me. No matter how far or fast I ran, he kept coming at me. So we're clear as mud on that. So New Testament is Numa 379 times. Oops, sorry, guys. The manifestation of divine presence and power, perceptible, especially in prophetic inspiration. How's that? Do you guys want to read all kinds of my books? They're fun. We'll have just a little reading party. What's up? God, God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It all starts and ends with God, period. There is none before him. There is none before him. He is the beginning. You have to understand, too, that we look at things in a finite way of thinking, 
So we only, our brains can only understand so much. But God is infinite. He can think far beyond anything that we can think. You, you think of uh, Star Trek, you know, beyond you know, all that Buzz Lightyear talking about infinity and yeah, all that stuff. God is even farther and greater than all that. We think in Kronos, right? Kronos. What does Kronos mean? Time. Time. Linear. Linear way of thinking. What's Kairos? Or Kairos is more spiritual. It's beyond that time that we can see and understand. We think in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And then each one of those years adds up to a decade and so on and so forth. Then we get to a millennial, then we get to all these numbers that we can do. How old is the world? Does anybody remember how old the world was when they were in freshman science class? That was science, though. That's a million years. Well, I remember it being two, like two or three billion years old when I was in school. It is now over six and a half billion years old. So that means since I was a freshman in school, I have actually aged four billion years. I'm holding up well, man. My back, my back hurts me a little bit every now and again, but at, at four, four billion fifty-one years, I got every right to hurt a little bit. It's like even in the history class, they change history all the time in history class. Absolutely, there's one thing, there's one thing that never changes. He is the constant, and it takes faith. It takes more faith to believe in something other than God than it does to believe in God, because somehow you have to believe the two inanimate unintelligent objects found their way through space and time to come to a place where they came together and crashed. And out of that cosmic collision came intelligence. And then they also, then also was supposed to be Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. I don't really believe in Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve was real and technically wrong. Is that? Yep, there was. It wasn't always bad. It was, you know, probably wasn't a real thing or thought of the way that we think of it. So, the manifestation of divine presence. So, God, the Holy Spirit coming upon us. So, the manifestation, the receiving of gifts, the gifts that we get, the. We can see Holy Spirit gifts coming to actually be something. That's the manifestation. So, healing is a manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Manifestation of divine presence, so divine meaning God, his presence and power perceptible, understandable, especially in prophetic inspiration. So we talked about prophecy and how prophecy is God speaking through people. So a lot of times they'll get these prophetic inspirations. Spirit man, same thing. John 3, 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The Spirit himself bears witness. Why is that creepy as well? So Acts 1.5 says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Who's saying that? John the Baptist? Jesus said it. Yep, those are red letters. Because he's trying to tell you the Holy Spirit is coming. Now, 
lot of people trying to predict when he's going to have the second coming, but we don't know. But we do know that the Holy Spirit already came. We do know that because we see it. We see it later on in the Book of Acts dropping. We also see. 757 times that Holy Spirit's been mentioned throughout the Old and New Testament. So we know that he's come. But the second coming of Christ, we don't know. You're right. The second coming, we don't know. But check this out. In Mark 1, 9 and 10, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open, which is one of the ways we get our name torn. But heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove so if you go to the original Greek in that de de descending on him is actually defined as also being in him so coming into him so when we're baptized and the Holy Spirit comes on us the Holy Spirit is coming into us we receive the Holy Spirit and are sealed by the Holy Spirit Mark 1.11 says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am, with you I am well pleased. 12 and 13 says, The Spirit, so here it is again, the Spirit causing, causing man to do something. And you say, well, that's Jesus. Well, Jesus was both fully man and fully God when he came to be, right? So the Holy Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. Sometimes some of us, as Paul was talking about, how did I know I was going to be a pastor? Because God told me, Holy Spirit drove me, and here I am today. You know what I'm saying? So he's been doing this for a couple of days. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did where... So here we start talking about that manifestation of the Holy Spirit in people and how the manifestation of the Holy Spirit helps us to do miracles, signs, and wonders, right? And we wonder how many things did Jesus do? Because in the book, he tells us that you will do these and, and many more. So here it is. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. He was on earth for approximately 33 years. He ministered for three years. And the books that this world, this world could not hold the amount of books if it was written out, the number of miracles, signs, and wonders that Jesus committed. And somehow we're going to do greater than he. How's that even possible? Holy Spirit. This is the part where we start to understand that we are spirit men, that we receive something in us that is greater than us. For by our own strength, we cannot do it. And this is why we have to differentiate between the old man who died and the new man who lives. We have to die between the carnal Christian, the one who can understand something up here, and the spiritual Christian. The one who actually receives the baptism of fire in us. The fire that ignites something, that lights something up in us, that brings us out of what we were, the ordinary, and makes us supernatural. We no longer have to be held by the natural things of this world, and we begin to start to, we begin to, start to work or manifest in a supernatural way 
bringing greater and more amazing things to this world. You guys, us, many or most Christians operate at like 2%, if that, of what God actually has given us. You hear it all the time with any I people, Mac people, Apple people. Right? So they say that you don't even use 10% of your, your Apple. They're such an incredible computer, you don't even use 10%. How many of you have heard that we don't, we might use 10% of our brain? Right? <laughs> right. Wow. Right. Can you imagine that? It's just like the movie, probably like the movies that you see in the movie Lucy. You ever seen that movie? I haven't. I haven't, but it's 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 a truth that when we operate with the Holy Spirit, He opens up greater parts of our mind, greater parts of our heart, greater parts of our body, and we do things that don't normally happen. There's a man sitting in this room today who's been healed by Jesus Christ of cancer. He's sitting here today and enjoying life and dinner with us today because God is real, because Holy Spirit is real. Period. If you don't want to believe it, you just talk to him. There are millions of stories, millions of stories. I've seen legs grow. I've seen hips straighten out. You say, well, Pastor, why is your back bugging you? Well, I don't know. I don't have those answers. Why do, why do people die? I don't know. I don't have those answers. But I know that while I'm here on this earth, there's something about Holy Spirit that the world wants me to stay away from, so they're going to tell me I'm tripping. But me tripping doesn't explain the entire Bible. And it doesn't explain the things that are happening. Like something has to be going on here, right? Yeah, like if you like read the Bible, the second coming, like what if it's not? What's going on in the world right now? Yes, absolutely. All you got to do is stick to the scriptures, and you're going to be in good hands. You're going to be in a safe place. You're going to become in this place where you start to understand what's going on. You're going to start to understand the necessity for you to operate at greater than ten percent. You're going to understand that, hey, there's something to this thing that I need to. Not only do I need to, but I get to, and I've been encouraged. I've been given the responsibility and the authority by God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, to operate at 25% or 50%. But we're so scared because we're letting the world tell us operate without power and authority. And people are like, well, you're just weird. Well, I tell you what, if me believing in the Word of God and seeing it and believing in the miracles that I've seen makes me weird, then I will be weird until the day that I go it's home to see Jesus. People think people are weird if they think different than that. Absolutely. And that's just, the way that, that's just the way that the world goes. So through love and grace, we get to walk and talk with people and share with them the greatest message ever. But if we don't have the power to recognize and remember that it's Holy Spirit, it's Holy Spirit in us that brings transformation to us. It empowers and encourages us, gives us strength that we would never have on our own. Amen? It's right here in the Word of God. 8.5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Exactly what I was just saying. You, you receive a message from the world that tells you, hey, Junior, you're never going to be anything. You're too stupid. 
you have a learning disability, you're this, you're that, whatever, you will never be anything. And so what do we so what do we do? We believe that is the gospel truth, and we walk out to there and we allow the world to tell us what our ceiling is. And somehow, in the midst of our ignorance, we find ourselves frustrated because we can't get higher. How do you even, if you're so dumb, then how do you even know that there's a higher? There are some people with mental disabilities, for reals. They cannot get past a certain level. But there are also certain people who have been programmed to believe that they have that. And we all got to figure out where we're at. We all got to figure out what is Holy Spirit doing in us. And just because the world tells us that we have this thing does not mean that we have to live there. It doesn't have to be a life sentence. It doesn't have to be. We can walk out greater things when we start walking in faith. It says faith the size of a mustard seed. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And so if in my disability, if in my ignorance, if in my lack of whatever, I can see what God is calling me to do, and I call that out as though it is reality, what's stopping me from getting there? Nothing is stopping me from getting there other than my own faith in God. I have to believe that the Holy Spirit, if he's going to show it to me, that I can get there. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are of God, of God, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Hallelujah and amen. There's something happening in the spirit that is supernatural. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems in this world. You'll face them. But if God leads you to them, he will show you a way out of it. There's a way out of it. And sometimes the way out of the troubles is to not get in them. Right? Everybody has problems. Everybody does have problems. Everybody. Lottie dotty everybody. Sometimes we give our problems sometimes we give our problems too much weight and they take over our day, they take over our weeks, our months, our lives. Sometimes we actually trust and walk in the faith. And I'm learning this lesson as I'm speaking this out. I'm thinking about my weekend. I'm thinking about the things that bugged me, the things that bothered me, the things that shook my feet almost out from underneath me. I'm thinking about it. I'm living by the flesh and not by the spirit. And I'm taking away the blessings of God in order that I might be able to come to a place where my brain understands it. So if you think these messages are just for you, think again because most of them have nothing to do with you. If you guys get something out of it, great. Most of the time it's me learning. 
and I just learned. I wrote this earlier, I dropped it on the page earlier. And so I can see, I can see where, and I can see why I've been hurting all week. I can see what's tearing me up. You know, you can look right past the gift if you're looking with the wrong set of eyes. If you're not looking with an attitude of gratitude, your latitude, your elevation is wrong. And so the gift is here, and you're flying down here because you don't feel worthy. But supernaturally, God puts you on this plane with that gift that he wants you to receive. And you need to be at that place where God is calling you to be. You need to fly by the Spirit and not by your sight. You need to be able to trust God to bring you to a place where he wants you to be. Amen? So next week we'll do week three of Spirit Man. Uh, we're going to keep going with this. Are you guys having any fun? Yeah. Is it nice to learn? Down and down the streets of Nazareth. <laughs> we can do this all day. Right. Man. <laughs> so, so let's pray. Could somebody turn that off if it didn't already shut off? I think it said a little battery earlier. I don't know. So Father God, we thank you so much for this message. I thank you, Lord. It should be down in the bottom right. But 